Hello there, and welcome to Fixing the Sequel Trilogy, usually a writer's room podcast, but today a reaction and review podcast for Ahsoka Episode 7, the penultimate episode. I'm joined today by Mello Keating and Sandro Carrion for the first time. How are you doing, Sandro? Good. We Good. usually have two hosts on this show, but today we've got three. It's very exciting. Yeah, I have time to come. You've got a lot more time now. You're it's not working good. in the film industry, but you are on this podcast, which is great for us. Very exciting. <laughs> yeah, very exciting. <laughs> we'll see how today goes. But, but three hosts in the show. Getting aside from any of that, we have Ahsoka Episode 7 to talk about. Mm. Very exciting stuff. We've got the finale next week, and today we've had our lead up to that finale, and we know exactly how it's going to look, or mostly how it's going to look next week, and what we can expect. How do we feel about today's episode? Um, I actually wasn't all that happy. Neither was I. Oh, wow. Well, I enjoyed it. Um, although I feel like it's a bit scary leading into episode eight that I'm so used to the Mando format of like having something to sort of like jump straight into. Oh, there it already is. hit the mic. Um, <laughs> Having something to jump straight into uh, from episode seven to eight. Yeah. So it's a bit, I, it's going to be interesting seeing them cram a lot seemingly into episode eight. Yeah. So I wasn't super high on this episode. I didn't hate it, but it definitely didn't feel as strong as maybe episodes four, five, and six, where the, it felt like the, sh the show really hit its stride and it was just knocking it out of the park over and over again. We start this episode. Shall we jump into the review? Or are we I'm, still I'm, getting... I'm, I'll just do a few Just general impressions. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because I, I, you know, like. Yeah, I've been really impressed with the previous Mando seasons when it comes to these eight-episode shows, with episode seven generally. Even it, in Episode season... seven usually slaps and leaves off in an incredible cliffhanger. Yeah, even like... in season three, which was shit, but yeah. episode seven was good. Like, yeah. It tends to have like feel like a two-parter. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. like a individual episode. This was just to, you know, we'll, again, we'll get into a deep dive later, just an action episode. It's 40 minutes where it should have been maybe 50 yeah. or something. Yeah, um, we should have had more to it. Uh, anyway, I did want to jump into some thoughts from so just some some audience. Yes, response, we've got some audience though, thoughts this right. week, which is fantastic. Um, shout out to my cousin Nathan. Uh, when, when talking about uh, Thrawn and his 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 uh, troopers and his soldiers, how they look, he said, uh, "Super nerdy observation." Filoni has definitely used Julius Caesar. Yes, as a no, I remember Thrawn. you talking about this. Uh -huh. um, yeah, he's basically space Caesar, uh, but was uh, in Rebels. Uh, sorry, but Ahsoka has taken it to the next level. Uh, he's he's like Caesar and Ghoul with his battle hardened legions. Uh, about across about to cross the Rubicon and yeah. march on Rome, and that's like sort of like the, um, I guess the inspiration is especially visual inspiration. Like Enoch that golden as well. mask that Enoch has. Yeah, uh, you showed a photo that is almost directly one of those Roman kind of soldier generals. Yeah. Uh, that your your cousin was talking about. And then really shout cool. out, to, yeah, shout out to my coworker Dom who said that like so they've got their sort of like. Because Thrawn, right, is an artist. He really appreciates art. And culture um, and history. And, yeah. yeah, literally. Uh, so his stormtroopers have also got that sort of like Japanese ceramic technique yeah. yes. with the gold. Where they've clearly taken everything that they have and they've fixed the ship as well, the Chimera, yeah. and they've also fixed their armor and made repairs and tried to add onto it through those fixes and stuff. And it's definitely like an attention to detail that Thrawn would have. Yeah. Which is really cool visually to see and kind of reinforce Thrawn's character through those visuals and through the prod design. It's fantastic. Yeah. But yeah, no, that's it for me. Um... Happy to get into the episode if we want yeah, to. What a way to start the episode. Three men talking about the Roman Empire. <laughs> <laughs> very topical. In character. Very topical. Yeah, no, it was. it is really cool, though. A very awesome note to be pointed out by Nathan there about the Roman Empire yeah. and the inspiration for the show. But we open this show not with anything to do with Enoch or Thrawn's army, but in Coruscant with Mon mm. Mothma. And I was like, oh, yes, Coruscant. And very quickly, I was disappointed by this opening scene. I thought it was very silly. The whole crux of it is built around C-3PO and Leia's influence over the show without actually being there mm. in such a direct and profound way to just get Hera almost like actually kind of a deus ex machina. Yeah. To just get Hera out of trouble yep. and 
completely do away with any sense of dramatic tension in that part of the story. Yeah. I see why they'd want to do that because it's not really Hera's show and she doesn't need to be in trouble. But the way it was done through C-3PO like that, I thought was just not satisfying whatsoever. Yeah. So we open with, with yeah, Hera is standing before this uh, new public tribunal uh, to kind of answer for her going against uh, just, their orders. Yeah, disobeying, disobeying orders. Going out there and there's this one fucking guy who's just like, I, Hera, you can't go do these things. Yeah, he's just clearly got it out for Hera. Yeah, I, I get that they're trying to show that there's like not imperial sentiment, but like um, almost like <clears throat> people playing devil's advocate within the yeah. idea of the New Republic Tribunal. They're but, so um, like terrified of war or yeah. any talk of the Im- of Imperial remnants and stuff. It's that like, no, it's not happening. It. No, not that happening. guy's literally yeah. Yeah, ruled by fear. Like uh, Cornelius Fudge in Harry Potter. Mm. Like, don't even mention mm. it in, around us kind of thing. Yeah, and yeah. so he literally moved for uh, Hera to be court-martialed. Yeah, which is just um, wild. And then, yes, semi-gold, semi-silver C-3PO yeah, rocks up in the nick of time. And just brings in a little data chip that solves the plot for Hera, which is very so it was something. So Leia saying, I've approved this mission. Yeah. It was... All good. It's got the clear to go. Which one doesn't make any fucking sense, and two is so unbelievable that like even the, the in, I'm on the antagonist side in the scene where he's like that doesn't that doesn't check out at all. Let's look into this, and everyone's yeah. like, no, it works. It checks out. Yeah. Even like everyone, including Mon Mothma, is like, no, nah, checks out. If you can do it, maybe do Leia instead of. I think it's cool that they the representative show, like Leia, Leia's sway within the Senate. I guess. Um, but I think it came off kind of poorly. I also think in an episode that was so. Like that, we feel like could have been longer in certain areas. This scene was too long. Yeah, I feel like it could have been shorter. Yeah, no, it would have just been nice for Hera to, I guess, argue her way out of the situation for her to win, not be saved by three PO, which doesn't make any sense. Keep Leia. If you're gonna keep Leia out of the story, keep her out of the story. Yeah. Don't bring her in in this way because having a puppeteering events from the sidelines without even being on screen makes her feel like this weird deity that Luke has become as well. Yeah. I feel like you can name drop without having somebody be like crucial to so here's where we come into something we've been talking about on other episodes they can't do han lando leia and luke in these shows because Mm. of obvious like outside of the story reasons but in the story they should be there it doesn't really make sense for them not to be so for them to use leia in this way continues to add on to this idea of like deifying these characters which none of us are are these massive galaxy defining events which we know that our heroes are always they should be heroes within these events they should be not generals or weird people off on the sidelines like puppeteering things like strange gods it's yeah. just so strange just because we're well, not in the original trilogy is it that era. she's off planet is that the whole just they don't tell us they do not tell us where Leia is what she's doing oh okay at all from what i recall of the episode and oh, wait, how little no. they mention her they say that she is like the head of the, the security the head of the defense, defense council yeah the head of the yeah. defense council that's why her that's why her that's like, her job yeah, and that's why having it in the quote writing is okay. Yeah. Yeah. My confusion is earlier in this show, Ahsoka, they say that Hera is leading the defense. She's a general leading a large group. She's, she's, leading, leading, the she's leading home one. That, and then Leia is like the senator in charge of it because she is a senator. I guess. It's just mm. very weird, especially when uh, Hera and Leia are so similar in yeah. terms of the, the role they occupy within the military and within the senate. Especially like, when, when Hera's looking for permission for the mission, she doesn't go to Leia. No, yeah, it's weird, right? Because oh, I suppose like Leia's like minister for defense is the equivalent, but and, and Hera is actually in the military. It's that problem that you were just talking about of like, they should be there, but like for logistical reasons, they can't, can't be. 
have them there. So it's then to use Leia in this way kind of makes you question, okay, well, if they're in the show this way, why aren't they show this way? And it leaves it very nebulous and leaves you without clear answers. And I think that's a very uh, detriment to the writing of the show. And I was very, very annoyed the second the scene finished. I was like, that's what we, okay, cool. I hate that. <laughs> Just like, cool, let's move on. I hated that a lot. I think it's a definitely a hard line to cross. I imagine like trying to play around with that. Yeah. I definitely don't envy the writing team or the yeah. production team, but still. And the only other thing we get then is a discussion after it's all blown over with uh, Hera and yeah. Mon Mothma being like, is this a real threat? Yeah. Anyway, cut away. And they cut away. Yeah. So then we get to the actual good part of the episode. Uh, what was the show? What was the episode called this week? I actually forget. We get the title card drop. Was it Masters and no. something? No, no, Mysteries? Oh, uh, Dreams and Madness, I think it was called. Yeah. Something like right. that. I think something which is, like that. It's a what, quote. That's what, a quote from something. Oh, yeah. I think that's like Shakespeare or some shit. But what the fuck is that even in relation to, honestly? <laughs> is there much madness in this episode? It made me mad mess <laughs> weird, um, weird title i like yeah. most of the other titles but anyway okay so do we come back into the crab people is that where we first started or is it crab thrawn people. crab people start, start over at thrawn yep and what oh yeah they're yeah being like, thrawn's doing his what, master plan what'd now. you learn about ahsoka ahsoka is anakin skywalker's apprentice what yeah no i thought that was really cool i think the inquisitors having that information and then presenting it to thrawn that way i thought that made a lot of sense and it mm. made sense that that wouldn't be something he had known yet because he'd never actually personally interacted with Ahsoka no. until now. thinking about it because you brought it up, but she dies before Thrawn comes into yeah, the series. Yeah, yeah, series. Yep. So he, dies yeah. in season two, yeah. Um, so they'd never had a chance to meet. Um, I did see, I, did, I really liked his reaction when reading that. And he's like... It was very good. He's like, oh, this changes everything. Because yeah, they have a history. They do. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot for the... Gives a lot um, for the Thrawn fans out there that yeah. are like, oh, well, it's canon that he met Anakin Skywalker. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense for him yeah. to have met Darth Vader. And both. Vader. Yeah. Both. So he met Anakin Skywalker before his turn. Yep. That's interesting. Yeah. How long has Thrawn been in the military? No, no, but this is back in the Clone Wars. It was yeah. to do with like Chiss shit. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. yeah, he wasn't in the military. He was just on a planet that Anakin was sent to. Yeah. And that's kind of how he got introduced to there's this Republic and there's this insidious guy and there's an empire and there's this opportunity to like rule fucking everything. Yeah. And then also Thrawn... Uh, was made the bold choice to tell Vader, hey, so you were Anakin. <laughs> and he lived to tell that tale. See, that feels like something Thrawn would do. Mm. I love Thrawn. He's great. But, okay, so we're getting Thrawn, and he's talking about his master plan and stuff and what he's doing with the rest of the, the team. And then we get to Ahsoka, and she is jumping out of hyperspace with... Uh, well, she has a little bit of training. Yang. She's training. That's right. Yeah. She's training mm. with uh, Anakin's uh, hologram, which we find out he left 20 of, and that was the last one. Yeah. It was very I, cute. I thought it was a sweet moment. I thought it was really sweet. I just, I told you guys, I just watched the Tales of the Jedi. I rewatched them with my mate a few nights ago. Yeah. And there's like a few like repeated lines from the Ahsoka episode yep, that that. in that training video. Oh, that's very cool. I didn't know. Like, oh, that's cute. That's nice. From that lightsaber episode, like through the areas. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Um, but yes, so they're like, oh yeah, we think we're jumping out of hyperspace. Yeah, Hu Yang's like, we've detected this slowing down. Yeah. They go to sit in the cockpit. And they come out of hyperspace. Crazy very cool. minefield. And then you're seeing like these explosions through the mouth of this pergol. Yeah. And they're like, what's going on? And they go out and you see this massive minefield. I thought this was visually very impressive. Mm. And the more I thought about it, the more it actually kind of made sense. I was like, this actually kind of works for me in terms yeah. of like Star Wars science weird stuff. I think it's practical. Yeah. I think um, because it's like, it's interesting because there's a very uniform lanes and lines sort of yes. way that it's all laid out. But they're magnetic as well. Yeah, and, get, and they're, they're like drawn homing in. onto these uh, ships in the Purgle and stuff like yeah. that. I thought so it was cool. Purgle, fuck off. because they Yeah, they all like, jump out of there, which was fun. Yeah. Uh, leaving Ahsoka to kind of fend for herself and navigate through this minefield. 
Um, there never really feels like there's a huge amount of stakes when they're flying the ship. <laughs> it's no, it's always pretty safe. I I really like the early episode where she's flying right up to the light speed ring, and mm. the ship gets taken out, and it's like, oh, they're out of commission. She has to spacewalk and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, to kind of navigate this fight scene. With the, a lot of the fight scenes don't have that level of stakes. Yeah, so it's just kind of her navigating through, and we're like, ah, she's probably gonna be fine. And then she hides in the the ring, the graveyard ring of Peridia, which is where all the Pogo go to die. Oh, pretty. Oh, you want to check the planet name? Yeah, it's, yeah, just in, it's nice. in the old noggin. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> uh, okay, and then we're back, back down to Sabine, Sabine, Sabine. and Ezra. Yeah. And they're going through some of the shared information, and uh, Ezra is still not aware of all of the recent events of the show. No, which is but fun. they're like recapping the original trilogy yeah. era, uh, and Sabine's like, you know, uh, the Emperor's dead. Or so we think. So we think. Uh, yeah, <laughs> so we've heard. Somehow. Secrets only the Sith knew. Um, yeah, and so what. Where, where, where from there? Um, um, they're just having like a cute chat, and we're getting a lot of uh, like their interactions. I think are still like really great. I think the the yeah. dialogue. I think Ezra is nailing it. I'm yeah. very impressed by his characterization of the, yeah. We we, from Rebels. we get more of that this episode. I think of like yeah, this is Ezra, especially when they're fighting and how he's going about fighting and stuff. Yeah, feels very. And they're navigating. They're uh, making their way across the land. What are they trying to get to at this point of the show? Oh, fuck it. I think they just. Just I think they're just moving camp. They're yeah, just like let's the Druidic crab people. Yeah, they're just traveling well. across land. Yeah. Um, I think at this point of the show, Sabine's like, okay, well, Soka's dead. I've gotten here. This is the end of my road. I'm just gonna hang out with Ezra. Yeah, it's kind of where she's at. I think she still wants to get him off. off I mean, she wants to, but she doesn't seem. It doesn't seem like she's actively pursuing like the one thing that will get her out of this mm. galaxy is Thrawn's ship. That's it. So. At this point, it doesn't seem like she's really entertaining the idea mm. of getting off the planet, which I thought was interesting. Mm. Yes. Okay, so Balin and Shin. Yeah. And he's like, go. Go hunt them alone. Yeah, they, see, I thought this was actually really good. What do they you got, Sandra? Ways. I loved it. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, he's such, I, I said, he's such a good teacher. I, I kind of love his, like, misguided teachings, but, like, he gives a good lesson about, like, he basically just says, pride cometh before the fall. And then he says, <laughs> I'll see you later. He kind of did say that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I really like Balin. I disagree. I don't think he's a good teacher. I think he's a, a bad teacher. Selfish. That could have been a really good teacher I think in, he's in a different life. Like a really good teacher with a very like misguided philosophy. Okay. Okay. No, I see that. But yeah, so he says to Shin, Shin's like, aren't you coming with me to kill Ahsoka and, you know, complete the quest? And he's like, no, I've got a different quest now. I'm leaving. Uh, good luck with your quest. Your ambition drives you, but don't let it like destroy you, kind of mm. thing. And then he leaves. And we I was still like, haven't this is... got more context to what that is. Like, is it because he wanted to stop Ahsoka? I was thinking we were going to get a lot more context mm. for what people online uh, the saying is the Aboleth. I don't know if you guys have heard of this right. one from EU or extended. You haven't heard of the Aboleth? No. Okay. Idea. Well, apparently it's like some really dark side, powerful creature or something. Yeah. That can exert huge amounts of power over the dark side of the force. I actually did read into it. I just seen like the, the word and right. I heard it tossed around a bit. Wow. Interesting. I haven't seen that go around at all. Oh, really? That... I'm just on Reddit a lot. So yeah. <laughs> that, that'd be interesting to see. I, I think it'd be, I, I'm just curious to see what, what it is. I thought that was plausible until we got this episode, which is like a whole lot of, like it's a lot of fighting, a lot of action, but not a whole lot of story beats and not a lot of change. No. And it leaves not a whole lot of room not for a lot of any character stuff. Next episode, like yeah, like you said, not a lot of character stuff. And we've only got one episode left. Yeah. So it's how are they going to tie up Balin's story? I think is a big question for us. So after this, there's a few. There's a bit of cross cutting between um, Thrawn sending some like locating where Ahsoka is within the rubble. Yeah. Of the space debris. This is a big like I think it's like 15, 20 minutes of like action set yeah. piece stuff, which is really great. And um, then from there, it's just action. Uh, Ahsoka flies down into the planet. She escapes like the fire. 
Yeah. Um, Just before that, they used the Night Sister magic to triangulate yes. her location within the ring, uh, the, the graveyard ring, which I thought was pretty cool. Oh, and Ahsoka also reaches out through the Force. And she Sabine. does. She's trying to find Sabine. She reaches out through the Force. And I thought this was a really great moment where they're cutting between Ahsoka and Sabine, and then it cuts to the Night Sister. It's a good cut. It's like a really good intercept. It's like they're all connected to the Force right now, and that's helped the Night Sisters find Ahsoka yeah. in the ring. I was like, this is a really great use of like using these plot pieces and these elements of characters' powers and abilities to kind of tie plot elements together. It's just, you know, it makes sense. It's very smart. Yeah, no, I agree. And then we just go into action. It's action, action, action from there for a, for a fair while. We get uh, Sabine and Ezra fighting off the Raiders and Shin. We get Ahsoka diving through, uh, avoiding blaster bolts and all that kind of thing. And then jumping out of the ship. And jumping out of the ship, yep. harkening back to Clone Wars days where she cannot avoid getting outside of a ship while yep. she's in it. It's very funny. And also going back to Clone Wars days, we get some very prequel CGI as she lands. Yeah, that was not a, a good moment. And I think it's like it sticks out so much because so much of the CG in the show is very, good, very yeah. good. Yeah. Uh, so that moment where she lands and it's just a very, very blurry, very early 2000s kind of CG. I was like, Ugh. I wonder if it was just like a deep blue crash mat. And Who that's knows? Why it kind of yeah. looks yeah. janky. Yeah. I'm not sure. Um, a lot of motion blur on that one. Yeah. And then we have uh, the Knight versus the Samurai Part Two, which rules. Um, it's and a I, really good fight. I think we establish here that Balin's just better than Ahsoka. Like he's that good that she's like, I I probably can't beat you. It's fine. Yeah. I'm not gonna try. I and mean, she, yeah, has yeah. Hu Yang come down, drops the flares. Great. You jump in, Good. No, yeah, that makes some smoke bomb flares, gets away, yeah. steals his wolf horse. Haha, <laughs> motherfucker, got your wolf horse. Yeah, now. No, he doesn't have a wolf horse. Yeah. And I think, and this is like a subtle thing, but I, what part of what they're trying to do with the show is have Ahsoka, you know, interact with the idea of pacifism versus violence and, mm. you know, what goal she would want to achieve. In the first fight with Balin, she fights Balin and it's like, it doesn't really go well. She gets really angry. She hurts Shin. Uh, because she thinks Sabine is dead, and then she gets defeated by Balin. Yep. And it's like violence meets violence, and she loses. Violence loses in the end. With this, she's like, I'm choosing nonviolence. I'm going to run away and be wiser and smarter and avoid you because I don't want to try and fight you. I don't have yeah. time for that. And you do see that come full circle when it comes to Shin. So, yes, uh, Shin and Balin have teamed up with these this local uh, tribe that's trying to hunt down yeah. uh, Ezra and them. Uh, and so, yeah, they're hunting them down. The, the crab people are getting away and... Then they have Hunkering to like, down and stuff. They're yeah. trying to do the a chase scene to get away, but one of them, I think, it's taken out. Pretty much. Yeah, with like, like electric shock prod. So they're like, okay, well, let's go into like defense mode and everyone hunkers down. Yeah. Yep. Switches into defense mode. Yep. It's cool. The Studio Ghibli ships. Yeah, you've pointed out that they actually look a lot like the Studio Ghibli kind of design of uh, spaceships and like stuff. Like AI generated stuff. Yeah. Or it actually reminded me of, I don't know if you've seen Nausicaa in the Valley of the Wind. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah, yeah they yeah, actually, yeah. a lot of similar design style to that one. But uh, So they get ready for a fight. Uh, <laughs> And Sabine goes to hand Ezra, the lightsaber, and he's like, oh, no, 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 I don't need it. The Force is my ally. This is really great. He's so, like, charismatic. Yeah. It's like, it really is just like a 20-year-old version of Ezra. It's great. It's great. And then, yeah, so they, they go into a fight, and Sabine's not using the saber. She's mostly using blasters, taking people out. And same deal with Ezra. He's just, like, fucking pushing people. He's just, like, force-punching people. people. I swear to God, I saw force kick. Use. Yeah, it was a force kick. I didn't see the force kick. That's yeah. great. Kick. Yep. Luke Skywalker. Cannon. We've canonized Luke Skywalker's force kick. Does he do a force kick on Jabba's uh, so, floating barge? Yeah, well, because missed, of bad choreography. A, yeah. he, choreography bad. This is <laughs> a, a guy he's meant to kick. And then like years later on Twitter, um, Mark Hamill says it was a force kick. That's really funny. I've never, I've never thought of that. That's really funny. Let's think about it for a second. Because okay. it's not entirely not not plausible yeah right? i agree force kick right <laughs> it's not unplausible yeah yeah force, force push force. anyway uh so yeah they are fighting and then shin gets there uh and we go to oh yeah oh shin has a swipe at ezra 
Oh, yeah. Singes oh, his hair. That was great. He dodges just out of the way, singes his hair a little bit. Yeah. Just like one of those really great character moments. Yeah. And just then like he, fun. Then he has a bit of a fight with a, without a lightsaber. Mm. He's just dodging, blocking at the hand and at the hilt, mm. which was really cool. It's a great use of like martial arts uh, that we don't really see enough from Jedi. I really yeah. love seeing this. Real Jedi. You can see it in that last episode of Tales with Ahsoka versus the, um, the Inquisitor yeah. that hunts her down. Yeah. True. And we know that uh, also that uh, Thrawn is watching this, kind of seeing this whole battle happen from his little Settlers of Catan yes. game board. So we're watching yeah. this and there's little hexagons and stuff. And like, this looks like a battle map for like a tabletop RPG or some shit. Yeah. <laughs> because really they've, got this, they've got this droid deployed that's basically like tracking. Yeah, which is thing. honestly like really cool. I Yeah, I love when they kind of use science or like technology really yeah. creatively. I thought this was cool. And it, it shows Thrawn, he's like overseeing everything. Yeah. And, it, yeah. and he, sorry, so he also stands in, sends in stormtroopers to go mm-hmm. settle this whole thing. And they're in on the, uh, the like the old... Clone Wars. But, Troop uh, transport. Yeah, those yeah. Coruscant-based ones. Um, and then, yeah, also Stormtroopers just getting taken out left and right. Ahsoka gets there and starts taking people out. And he basically just calls off the attack because he's like, yeah, this has been the perfect distraction. We're almost finished loading the cargo that we still don't know what it is. Yeah. I'm saying it's bodies. Um, We're seeing a lot of, like, brilliant Thrawn stuff here where he's playing the big game. He's yeah. like, my ultimate goal is to get off planet and leave these fuckers behind. Yeah. The longer we can distract them and keep them from getting close to us, the less chance they have of doing something unpredictable. Because he doesn't know what they're going to do. He doesn't think like them, but he knows how they think, in a sense. Yeah. He knows how to predict their unpredictability. Yeah. There's that, really cool. Yeah, there's that one moment where he's like, just let Ahsoka Tano do what she wants to do. Yeah, um, and keep her distracted while she's doing it. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> she's just going to she's gonna head straight towards something that we don't need to chase after. Exactly. Yeah, And it's... Big brain. Yeah. Very, very, very big brain. Very big picture from Thrawn. So they finish kill- killing all their enemies, and then, like, Shin's kind of there face to face, and Ahsoka's like, let me help you. And there's this moment, because the other two are going to go get her, and she just, nah. Shin's like, off. Hey, you know what I think about that? And it just sprints. Yeah. <laughs> Jumps um, on her space wall thing. Yeah. Gets the hell out. But it is interesting, because I've seen a lot of stuff on the internet over the course of this show where everyone's like, even though we don't get a lot out of Shin, it's like, she, from what we do, it seems like she wants to be a Jedi. She's not wholly convinced of Balin's path, and... Maybe there is that potential. She does, it does seem like the sort of character who, if you keep with her in future, but it's like, yeah, she'll probably turn to the light side. It's very interesting. I'm pretty sure we're all like thinking Balin's going to die. Oh, yeah. He seems like fated for death yeah. kind of thing, yeah. which is awesome. Uh, just like his character in general, just such like a Shakespearean, like I'm looking off in the distance, mm. pondering power and destined for doom. Like yeah. it's so, it's so campy. I love it. Um, so yeah, then we're left with our heroes all together. Yeah. Uh, with a ship. Uh, so there is still a chance. Yeah. What, what's your plan, Thrawn? Because your fight, because plot armor d- determines that your fighters can't take out the Jedi shuttle. So yes, exactly. So we get that last kind of moment with Thrawn and Morgan Elsbeth, where he's like, "Okay, none of this matters. We've got fifteen percent left on this bar of progress before we can. Uh, all of our cargo is loaded, and we can get out of this galaxy forever and leave them behind. That's his goal." Um, and these guys obviously want to stop Thrawn from getting back and reforming the Empire, and they also want to get back to their own galaxy as well. So that's their kind of big dramatic question for the next episode of how mm. they're going to do that and how can Ahsoka do that without being incredibly violent, I think will be the question they ask her. And how do you do that in one episode? How do you do that to end out this season with no promise season two? And also, how do you tie up Balin's goals? Yeah. Strange, mysterious, like very interesting story. Is completely contempt with staying on the planet. Like, he doesn't want to leave. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't think that's true because he's talked a lot about reshaping the galaxy. He's like, this galaxy's dead, but we can reshape the other one. That's what he's talked about this whole time. Mm. So I don't know. I'm very curious to see how it all comes together and and what Balin does. It's just like he seems to, because he's kind of in the know of 
um like Thrawn's plan yeah. to leave. Yeah. Obviously he doesn't know that Thrawn's planning on leaving him behind. But he's like it it strikes me as like he might have like another idea of getting getting off somehow. Giant Purgle. Super Purgle. Yeah. Super Purgle. So fun okay, fun D and D fact for you guys. An Aboleth is a D and D creature. And I don't know why they've used that name for uh for Star Wars stuff. And I'm not sure where the actual origin of the name is. A lot of D and D stuff is inspired by Egyptian and Greek myth, yeah, yeah, yeah. But in D&D, Avaleth is a giant squid monster that has psychic powers. So the use of that word kind of, you know, brings to mind eldritch ancient horrors of some kind from a distant realm, which mm. is very cool. And, like, the idea of that might be in, introduced in this story is very interesting. But with one episode, that seems like a really big thing gonna, to, gonna to pull out of nowhere. Episode. I think we need a long episode. Yeah. Like an hour and a half. Like a, like a 90 Yeah, like 90 a really episode. long episode. If they're going to do something that that huge, it'll be really... Feature film episode. Yeah. And I just can't... I, I see that as very unlikely that they would do that. Yeah. Uh, it's most likely going to be an hour because that's the longest they've had so far. So it might be an hour, an hour 10. It's still going to be an episode of TV with like a normal TV kind of arc. Just like, like the Mando finale is just slightly longer. Slightly longer. Yeah. Let's, yeah. let's theorize for a second. Like, what do you guys think happens next episode? I think Balin goes into a dark side cave of some kind. Yeah. That's my bet. Well, like... Down by the ocean. Oh, yeah. Gets yeah. this squid thing. Uh, yeah. I think Thrawn still has, like, a few more, like, weird tricks that, like, haven't been presented to the audience yet. I maybe, think his cargo is the trick. Maybe it's... he's, like, yeah, there's something in the cargo, or maybe he's, like, completely fine with, like, oh, we have 90% of the cargo. Let's leave. Let's let's book it out of here. Would he? What's in the cargo? It depends it's what's bodies. in the cargo. It depends it's what bodies. the cargo is. So you think it's bodies of, of it's what? Like, maybe like Night Sisters or Dark Side users of some kind. It's yeah. bodies. Right. Okay. Yeah. So there's the Night Sisters are here and they present a really interesting question of how much dark magic is Thrawn willing to use to mm. win back the Empire? And it seems like it's a fair bit. He's asked him for help, I think, twice now. Yeah. Uh, in the show and obviously more before that. So it's interesting to think like how far is he willing to go into this dark magic kind of stuff? And what? Sort of, what are the Night Sisters getting from that deal? Yeah, as well, because it seems like they're super, they're super tight with him. Even they're loyal he to him. Crash lands on their planet. Yeah, well, he didn't crash land, did he? Or did they? He crashed and then well, like the they rebuilt take the, the Star Destroyer, there. and then they would have rebuilt the, the starship there. Interesting, yeah. interesting. So, you know, he's he would have come there as an outsider. Yeah, what does he have to and offer? Night Sisters though? aren't. Like typically, super trusted. No, they are not so, outsiders, as we've seen from Clone Wars. Unless these ones are different, they're more like they're like the three witches. They do. They're exactly like they're the, the three, three witches. witches. I haven't it's heard so great. bubble, bubble, nor toil and trouble. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's very clear that much like uh, Lucas, uh, Filoni has been inspired by Shakespeare and Shakespearean mm. writing here, which is cool. Yeah. And it like it's to the service of the show, incorporating knights and wizards and and witches yeah. and that kind of thing. It's very old school high adventure yeah. and also Lord of the Rings I mean this episode is kind of just like that bit in two towers where oh, yeah. they send the orcs and the wags after the, the Rohirrim yeah it's very similar you've got the grassy fields and these monster oh these like bandit kind of characters riding their their wogs yeah. <laughs> across the the, 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 the plains it's oh, great. Wait, now we gotta get back to Orthanc and see what's going on <laughs> with our big villain yeah exactly um, even like coming into this I'm questioning is there a season two? Are they planning on doing a season two? Was they have no stated plans for season two. It was, but it feels before, like there should be. And then I think they were going to wait and see how this one went. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Nothing announced yet. The reception of this show seems pretty good. I think mostly people are pretty high on it from everything I've seen. I don't know about you guys. Somehow this show has to, I mean, I've been really enjoying it, but somehow this show has to then tie into the Mandoverse. 
Yeah, so that's the real big thing. And like Orson, Orson, is it Carson? Carson Teva? Carson Teva? Yeah. So he mentioned the the Mandoverse this episode in the first scene on Coruscant. Mm. He's like, what about the issues on Mandalore? And very much reminded me of like, what about the the Wookiees of Kashyyyk? Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. What about the droid attack on the Wookiees? And they're like, "Uh." Like, that was just, that was just Gideon doing Gideon Yeah, so they say like, that's just Gideon by himself. He doesn't count. And it's like, okay. They don't know about the Shadow Collective. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, they never reveal the Shadow Collective stuff. We only, only the audience knows that that was kind of happening. And that Brendel Hux is trying to resurrect Palpatine. Fucking Brendel. Yeah. Hux. So yeah, there's a lot of questions. There's a lot of questions going into episode eight. And I think this episode left us worried more than excited. I think that's why we're a bit negative on this one because we're like, shit, this is a lot to cover. It would have been fine if it wasn't episode seven. Yeah, exactly. I think they maybe could have benefited from an episode nine or something. Mm. Really have a a very good denouement when they get back to their galaxy, which is the fun writing word that I learned this week, which is what happens after the climax when you're wrapping it up everything. It's like the hobbits go back to the Shire. Say it again? The denouement. Is it French? French, yeah. (laughs) It's spent denouement, but... Uh, it turns out it's French, and you're not supposed to say it like that. <laughs> <laughs> there's any French people listening, denouement. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so I think that's going to be all for our breakdown of episode seven this week. Unless you guys any have any final thoughts? Yeah, no, I'm excited going into episode eight. I think there's like big, big shoes to fill, but I'm yeah optimistic with the way the show's been tracking so far. Just quickly. Because uh, we all made a note when we were listening. We all spoke out loud when, in the episode when this was happening. Uh, Sabine is skirting around the question mm. when talking to Ezra early on in the episode yes. of what happened to Ahsoka. It was like, oh yeah, Ahsoka was training me. And she has zero reaction to the fact that she thinks she's dead. Yeah. yeah. It she, was a weird, it was a weird moment. It was a weird moment. Yeah. Kind of remorseless. Kind yeah. of a bad acting, directing choice. Yeah, yeah I just, think so. I think it was a continuity thing. Yeah. Where it's like, wait. Ahsoka's dead, which means Sabine needs to be reacting to Ahsoka's death. But she's kind of just like, oh, it's a weird story. Yeah. Yeah, it kind of felt kind of like, yeah, remorseless Mm. and like uncomfortable to the character as she should be. Yeah. Um, Good final note, Mello. Yeah. (laughs) I think it's a great way to end it off. I'm cautiously optimistic for next week, but you can catch us here next week when we do our final review of the finale of episode eight of Ahsoka. Uh, you can also catch us every week doing our normal show, which is us writing and trying to fix the sequel trilogy. We are fixing the sequel trilogy, of course. You can find us also on Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, uh, everywhere that's good, which is not Twitter or X. Fucking Twitter X. But until next time, may the force be with you. <laughs>